Um, today, I want to talk about a kind of a continuation of Brother Richard's message you had last week on uh, Brother Richard uh, emphasized uh, last week who God was, uh, a vertical connection uh, to God, an encouragement that in order to have overcoming life, there needs to be a vertical connection, not always talking or not always emphasizing the outward to our brothers. And that, that is very needful at times. But I want to continue the, the emphasis on encouragement and our vertical connection to God. <clears throat> As we all know and have experienced in our Christian faith, the, the vehicle to that connection with God, that vertical connection, is prayer. And for this, I want to speak about today. Um, I would say this is a message to myself. Um, I am not uh, a prayer warrior. I'd like to be, but it, it takes a lot of discipline and just not feeling like it, but doing it because we love God. We desire that connection from God. Not because we have to, but we want it. We love God. To us is given a marvelous opportunity to not only be called the sons of God, but to talk directly to our Father on a continued basis. I want to speak... Uh, I will not be in any particular verse today. Maybe in the end when I close, um, we're going to be sitting a little bit on uh, on James chapter 4. But I'm going to be a little bit scattered, and you don't have to follow along, but follow along on what I say at least. And we'll start out with Jeremiah 33, verse 2. Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Is that our experience? Call unto me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you know not. That is a promise. He did not speak it to the, to the thickets and the, and the bumblebees. He spoke it to us, and he meant what he said. God cares for us, and he longs to have a relationship with us. He longs to show us things that we do not know. Not only things that we need, God wants to teach us. When we realize the last few years, um, I think of Samuel's journey and how it's come to fruition here in the coming weeks, how uh, the Lord has mightily brought another um, helper into the family and how we praise God. And at the time um, of Rachel's sickness and surgeries and everything, there was, there was a lot of turmoil. There was a lot of prayer. There was a lot of, a lot of things we, we just called out to the Lord, and the Lord taught me a lot about prayer during these times, and also with my dad. And, and I went into the beginning before my dad's journey with cancer that 
hey, let, let's pray, and whatever we pray for, the Lord will give us. And that wasn't the experience that I received. Um, and we'll go into this a little bit deeper here, but we need to be open. We need to abandon ourselves in prayer. And abandonment is what Brother Josh talked about. It's losing ourselves for God. And no matter what happens, we are in the Lord. We are, we are going to lose with our will what we're going to gain with God. And the closer we get to God, the less we actually care on if our prayers are answered because we know and love God and God, we know that God wants the best for us. So whatever connection we have with this world becomes less and less. And we pray, Lord, may your will be done. May your kingdom come. We pray it more earnestly. And we don't care if our temporal prayers are answered or not. In fact, we long for that they don't. So it, it is a challenge. It's not easy to speak of prayer in that way. Uh, when we pray, we want our prayers to be answered. But um, we have to ask ourselves in what spirit we pray. And, and I'm going to speak about 10 powerful prayers here that were answered almost immediately. And God, when we know God and we love God and we walk according to his precepts, we can pray in the same way and they will be immediately answered. But not all prayers are like that. Some prayers with the persistent widow, God taught us to keep praying and praying and praying. And I have a close brother in the Lord. He's been praying for eight years for his wife that left him. And there seemingly doesn't, nothing is happening, but something is happening with that brother's heart. And this is the first thing that needs to change is our own heart. And this is what he desires to do. And yes, he can and he is willing to change other people's hearts, but he cannot. It's, uh, it's, it's a free will offering. He cannot force anybody to the throne but it can help break it down so people can see themselves earlier. So in that way, we pray. So as we realize the last few years of trial, loss, and anguish, and not all prayers are answered right away, some seem to be not answered at all. The Lord even taught us to pray with persistence, as I spoke about already. Like an example of the persistent widow, we see that it is the Lord's desire for his children to press through in prayer. Nevertheless, we see these immediate short prayers entered in Scripture, and many of us have experienced them as well. What makes a good prayer? Is it the length? Is it the eloquence? Is it a heart that trusts in a mighty God? How long does a prayer have to be in order to be heard? God did not forbid long legitimate prayers, but vain repetitions and heartless babblings. Some of the answered prayers of the saints, like Solomon, were long. 1 Kings 8, 12 to 53, but some were short. Daniel had a long prayers as well. But we see in, in one of Daniel's long, he, he, uh, he prayed and fasted for, what was it, how many days? 90 days. But the Bible says, from the very first moment that you set your heart to pray, I heard you, and I sent Michael 
to you, but he was hindered by principalities and powers. But he heard them right away. But if it's if it involves great spiritual things that the enemy does not want them to happen, we have to pray through. We have to persevere. There, there are prayers like that where the enemy will try to hinder them. And we see it very powerfully in Daniel that if it pertains to the kingdom and the kingdom of God, which all our prayers should be, then if a lot of things are at stake for the enemy, then he will not easily give in to these prayers. He will try to hinder them. And he can hinder them, but God is stronger. God is mightier. He will bring them across. Um, one of the first prayers I want to look at that's short and powerful, and it came to pass very fast, is the prayer of Abraham's servant. And I like to bring that story up in, in courtship messages. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and a daughter of the man of the city come out to draw water. And it, let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. Here, there are some hidden nuggets in, the, in this prayer. First of all, this prayer was a servant to his to Isaac. It was a person servant. He did not ask this prayer selfishly. He had nothing to gain from it. It was Isaac that had to gain. He wanted to be a faithful servant. He had nothing but good for his for his uh, for Isaac, his um, his boss at the time. And this is: Do we pray selfishly or do we pray for others? And that is a very important ingredient. Is, is, do we pray selfishly? Isaac was praying for a wife, but he gave everything over to his beloved servant. And here he came and he prayed, Lord, I don't have a clue. Where shall I look for a girl? And there was many girls. He was in a general vicinity where he wanted him to be, but he had no idea. Lord, you'll have to show me. And this is how I want to know. And Lord was faithful, we see in verse 15. And it came to pass before he had done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born of Methuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nair, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. The Bible says that before he was done speaking, God answered him. And a damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her, and the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink of the water of thy pitcher. Um, what, how did the servant know that this was him? Before he had even stopped praying, here came this girl, and he quickly ran to meet her. God, he, he was expectant of an answer. And it is also important. We need to be expectant when we pray to God earnestly that he will be faithful. 
he was expectant and he was obedient and he reigned and he asked her these things. And he said, she said, like into a prayer, I, I not only want to give you, I want to give your, your animals as well. Here, the servant knew without hesitation that this was to be the wife of Isaac. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the, in, onto the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. The second one um, of immediate prayer is the prayer of Elijah when God consumed the offering with fire. And here again, Elijah went out on the limb. He knew God, he loved God, and he did not he wasn't proudful to ask this of God. He knew God was willing and able to perform this great miracle. Let's read it here. In uh, it's written in 1 Kings chapter 18. Verse 36, 1836. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. I am thy servant, and I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned hearts back again. I want to stop here and interject. Lord, hear me, not for my sake, but for the people here, for the kingdom to be established, for your name to be made, not for what I want, but for your kingdom to be built. This is an important ingredient. We pray not for ourselves, but for the kingdom. Oh, Lord, hear me that this people may know, that this people may know without hesitation, powerfully, that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. There was no scientific explanation. It just happened exactly with the power of God. Boom. Immediately. Right after he had prayed this. Immediately. He did not have to wail and cry and cut himself like the other false prophets. It happened right away. The power of God was made real very powerfully. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Hallelujah. His name was made known. Uh, the third example is the, the prayer of Jabez in First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. The power of Jabez. And Jabez called the God of Israel, saying, O oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thy hand might be with me, and thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. That's a, that's a well-known prayer. We've all heard it. And the next thing it said, And God granted him that which he requested. Um, the fourth one, the prayer of King Asa. In Second Chronicles chapter fourteen, verse eleven. Second Chronicles fourteen eleven. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name 
we go against his multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. So it, again, it was Asa, King Asa, crying out that your name will go against the multitude. It is your name at stake. Hear us, O Lord. We want to carry on your name. We love you, Lord. So they have a consistency, these prayers. So in verse uh, 14, chapter 14, verse 12, the next verse, it says, The Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fell, fled. They fled. God's name was again made strong that day. Okay, we'll move on to the New Testament, verse the, the fifth prayer, the prayer of Peter. We're all very familiar with it. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, Lord, save me. Here God wanted to make a lesson. He wanted to show himself strong in Peter. He had a plan for Peter. His life, he had great things to do yet. And God wanted to show Peter his power that he could look back on in the years to come when he had, when he had come into sufferings. God wanted to show himself strong to Peter. And what he said here, or what he did, is immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Not only did he pull him out of the water, but he was commander of the winds and the seas. Let us be encouraged with these words. The sixth prayer, a prayer of the Canaanite woman, Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. In verse 26, But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fell from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy fate, be it unto thee even as thou, and as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from the very same hour. That very hour. Um, I don't know why Jesus was so hard on her at, at the time, but he knew her heart. And he wanted to show himself strong in that lady, but he wanted to also test her. And she did not feel sorry for herself when Jesus said that, but she talked back right away and she said, Lord, just give me a little. That's all I'm asking. Just give me the crumbs. She did not walk away in discouragement, but she kept on asking. And the Lord was faithful. The seventh example is the prayer of Bartholomew. In Mark chapter 10, verse 51. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, I that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith had made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. There again, there was people around that saw these miracles. The kingdom of God was being built. 
Um, number eight, the prayer of the ten lepers in Luke seventeen thirteen, And they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass as they went. And that is full of uh, meaning as well. As they went, they were cleansed and healed. Uh, number nine, the prayer of the publican. In Luke eighteen thirteen, And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbled himself shall be exalted. God hears the prayer of humility. He does not hear the prayer of the haughtiness, of the prideful. And here the last one of all that I want to bring out is a prayer of the thief on the cross in Luke chapter 23, verse 42. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest unto thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, today, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Amen. It was a last desperate plea. And not many people will have that grace in the end. But this man, I'm not sure what he saw, who he was, what he sought for all of his life. But he called in his last dying breath. He called out to God, to Jesus right there. And he said, remember me. He believed. Everything there in a nutshell, he believed who Jesus was. We are encouraged to see here that you don't have to pray very long in order to pray with power and direct results. God is not dependent on long prayers. James talks about the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Say it just the way you'd say it to another friend. The secret ingredient of prayer that God answers starts with praising God, a clear statement of your requests, your faith, and your submission to God. We cannot, however, talk about these powerful scriptures of answer prayer without also discussing why they are often not a reality in our lives, why they are often left unanswered with ourselves. Let's look at James chapter 4. We'll stay with in uh, James 4, so if you could open up your Bibles. We can look at and, and press in and look at detail these scriptures to better understand the things that we ought to pray for and the things that we shouldn't. James lays it out very plainly for the brethren, not for the worldly, but for the believers. And when we read these, these verses here in, in uh, James 4, we're going to read James 4, 1 to 12 or 1 to 10. Um, he is speaking about to the brethren, not to the world. And verse 1 is a little bit confusing. He asks, from whence come wars and fightings among you? He's not talking about swords or guns or automatic weapons. He's talking about wars and fightings from our mouth, from our hearts. This is the spiritual battle. James 4 1 to 12. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts 
that war in your members. This is where wars start in the hearts. The world wants to destroy or bring peace by destroying these hearts. Not changing. God came to change hearts. The world comes to destroy these hearts by taking the life out of them and making them dead. That is why we don't believe in war. Because God came and he died to change every person in this world, including the Russians, the Ukrainians, the Chinese, the Taiwanese, the Americans, and the people in Finland and Australia. God loves them all, and we ought to love them all. And there's believers, dear believers in the Lord in every one of these countries that love the Lord and pray every day just like we do. Who are we to go in and destroy them and take their life away? That is not the Spirit of God. <clears throat> God did not talk about these fightings. He talked about the fightings in our hearts. Are our hearts cleansed? What kind of wars and lusts are going on in your hearts, in your members? James is talking about the inner battle in our hearts that is going on. The reason for conflict is the selfish and personal ambitions that is warring with our spirit. These wars are then revealed in outward temporal things like fits of anger, arguments, and bitterness. This is where war starts. Greed and personal ambitions. And they start even amongst us as Christians. They need to be brought to the light. They need to be brought under the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 2, ye lost and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and ye war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Our journey in the flesh will never find fulfillment as long as we are busy fighting a war that has already been won. Our journey in the flesh will never find fulfillment as long as we are busy fighting a war that has already been won. As long as the enemy keeps us busy fighting on the tangible things of this life, we will never realize the true identity of where the enemy is. That, brethren, can take a lifetime of struggle to fully realize, or it can be realized very quickly by heart that seeks God and his kingdom from a young age. We can realize it within a year of when we're born again, or we can realize these things, having walked 50 years with the Lord. Because we're hard learners. And some people die not knowing. And they keep on fighting. They do not yet know that the war has been won. The war of the heart. The war of purity. The war of having a clear mind. Filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm still in that journey. In different forms. A lot of that I've realized. But it is a journey. Verse 3. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your loss. You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your loss. We're like this young man that walks up to dad and says, Dad, I want that six-inch buck knife you have in your desk. This little three-year-old. Dad, I want that knife. 
And Papa says wisely, I'm going to give it to you when you're 18. You cannot handle a knife. It's too sharp. It could hurt someone. And Dad wisely does not give him that request. This is a simplified version of our prayers we ask before God. God knows when he gives us these prayers or the answer to these prayers, we would destroy not only ourselves but others very quickly. The, the pit of pride is a lot deeper than we realize. In these verses, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your loss. In these verses lies the real reason we have unanswered prayers. Because our prayers are all too often laced with selfish aspirations and ambitions that just serve not to further the kingdom of God, but just our own selves. Why would God give his beloved son something that he could get hurt from? Our prayers have, our prayers have to be born out of a true desire for the kingdom of God. For a Christian raised in the West, we can find it very difficult to really understand what this means. What I mean by this is we are so spoiled and used to have, having everything instantly placed in our hands. And if God doesn't instantly pass out the object of our prayers, we, we become discouraged and lose heart. To not ask amiss, we need to ask these questions. And there might be more of them, and please share if you have more of them after I'm done here. But I came up with, with four of them here. Is it going to further the kingdom of God? That's the first question. Like when we ask for a godly wife, is that going to further the kingdom of God? Absolutely. Absolutely it will. When we ask for a new truck, is that going to further the kingdom of God? Maybe. Depends what we do, but probably an old one would serve us better. The next question, is it going to bless someone other than ourselves? Is it going to bless someone other than ourselves? Are we used to praying just for ourselves or are we used to praying for others' needs as well? Something that we pray for somebody else is usually going to bless the kingdom of God. Is what, is what we are asking going to burn, decay, or be very temporary in this life? And there's different situations here. It is just a... An overview is what we are going is is what we are asking for going to burn, decay, or be very temporary in this life. And the last question I have is what we are asking for something the local body has already answered or has not been revealed to or does not agree with. Um, that's that's a good sign too. Have you talked about it? with the brotherhood has it been revealed to the brotherhood has to has the brother discerned if it is something that would be something that would um work for the kingdom or not if you answered yes to any of these questions then depending what it is it may be laced with too much selfish and personal loss that needs to be further pruned from our lives god always wants what is best for us let us never forget this God always wants what is best for us. Verse 4, 
You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of this world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Brethren, God cannot and will not answer your prayer that would further the enemy and his kingdom of this world. If you are a friend of this world, you are an enemy of this world. Only the devil will answer the prayers that would further the kingdom of this world. Only the devil will answer the prayers that will further the kingdom of this world. That has clearly happened to many so-called prosperity Christians in this generation. Do not commit spiritual adultery by partaking with this generation of self-worshippers and stuff-worshippers. Do you think that the scripture said in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, in verse 5. Many, many scriptures tell us these things, that in human flesh there is no good thing we envy to have, we fight and desire to have, but it should not be so amongst us. It asks, do you think that the scripture said in vain? I don't think it is one scripture, it is all the scriptures. Because we don't see where this scripture is pointing to. The spirit that dwelleth in us lusted to envy. This is what the Bible says overall. Verse 6, But he given more grace, wherefore saith God resisted the proud, but give a grace to the humble. The good news is that God gives us the grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to resist the proud, to be humble and ask for things that will benefit the kingdom of Christ, not the world. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. You double-minded. Be true to God. Stay pure and resist evil. This was never meant to be easy and will require us to press into God and seek his face. But by doing so, we will be resisting the devil and fleeing from evil. You that are not born again or have backslidden, cleanse your hands. Turn to Jesus Christ for the forgiving blood of the cross on the cross. Repent and purify your hearts and be no longer double-minded, loving God and loving the world and sin. In verse 9, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. If we find ourselves loving the world, let us mourn and weep. Let us literally turn to weeping on our knees. This will give us a true heart to pray the right prayers and seek the right things in our lives. When is the last time that happened to you? Or you just turned to weeping next to your bed or wherever your secret place is and just wept, Lord, I, I feel so far from you. Lord, I want your closeness. Lord, I am so caught up with worldly things. And repenting, not only to, to weep before God, but standing up and making changes in our lives. Getting rid of things, removing things, removing interest, not participating in certain things anymore. This is what it means to truly mourn and weep, is to repent from our hearts. And the last verse, verse 10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. If we turn to God in anguish and humility, he will restore us to joy and faith. 
God will start to answer our prayers because our prayers will be the Lord's prayers. And in addition to that, we will actually start praying. Um, a lot of us, um, what a friend we have in Jesus, that song, is we forget what a friend we have if we grow distant to God. We will start praying and bringing more things to God. We'll start bringing brothers and sisters to the Lord uh, instead of us for certain brothers or sisters, we will start bringing them to the Lord. And we will see our hearts being changed towards them. In closing, I want to remind us, brethren, that we can only pray answerable prayers if we are in the Lord. God will only answer prayers that will benefit his kingdom. And here I, I want to bring the crux of what I want to say today is we are not Christians so that we can have power in prayer. We are not Christians so that we can have power in prayer. We become Christians because we love God and we have been made willing bond slaves to Christ. It shouldn't matter if our, if our prayers are answered or not. That's not, not why we are Christians. They will be answered, but that's not why we're Christians. We become Christians because we love God and we have been made willing bond slaves to Christ. All prayers have to be prayed with total abandonment to God. We need to have an attitude that whether he answers my prayer or not, he still reigns in heaven and earth. He still reigns in heaven and earth. When once we are fully convinced that a certain thing is in God's will, we need to have the perseverance and grace to keep praying for it, to not give up, to keep praying. When finally the Lord answers it, and we wonder what the whole love was, we find that in the long journey of pressing in with that prayer, it helped us become who the Lord really wanted us to become. Or, in the pursuit of a specific answer to prayer, we were changed. And our prayers also changed to align us to closer to God's will for our lives. And we pray more directly in God's will. And we start to see answer prayer more than we have in the past. Romans chapter 8, 26 to 28, and we'll end with these verses. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not whether we should pray for as we ought, but the prayer, the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Amen.